0: Okay.
1: Grace and peace and welcome to Cokesbury United Methodist Church here in Woodbridge, Virginia. My name is Taylor Mertens and I serve as the pastor here and I'm profoundly grateful that you have decided to join us for worship today whether you're joining us on Facebook or on YouTube or you're watching this service somewhere else later. Uh, It is a privilege to be the pastor of this church and to also worship with you in these strange ways and in these strange times. Uh, For the foreseeable future, we're going to continue to offer worship online, just as we're doing today, uh, to make sure that we're keeping everyone in our immediate community as safe, uh, healthy, and faithful as possible. We are in the midst of a sermon series here, That's Not in the Bible. Today is our third Sunday in the series, and we're looking at, God won't give you more than you can handle. That's our common Christian expression today that's not in the Bible that we're going to be talking about. Uh, We have an online bulletin that you can use for the service, it's in the video description. You can open that up, it has our scriptures, hymns, prayers, all that sort of stuff. And there are a lot of other things that are going on in the life of our church. We're sending out email devotionals during the week. We have a food distribution that's coming up in our parking lot toward the end of the month. And one other thing that I'm excited to share with you is we are planning a drive-in worship service on the 30th of August, the last Sunday of the month, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. We're going to be encouraging as many people as possible to come drive their cars to our parking lot. We have a very large parking lot here. And we're going to have attendants help uh, parking the cars all in one direction, socially distanced, so that uh, with a PA system, I'll be able to lead us together in a worship service while we all remain in our cars. There will be some prayers, a scripture reading, a very, very brief sermon. And then at the end, we're going to have communion. The church has procured uh, these sort of sanitary, individual communion programs, I don't really know quite what to call them, but basically it's the grape juice and a wafer that are sealed, individual, so there's no cross-contamination. A number of you have you know, express to me how much you miss communion, and I do too. It's been four or five months since we've been able to share the Lord's Supper together. So at the end of the month, we're going to be able to do that. Uh, continue to check our website, our church Facebook page. There'll be more details about what that service uh, will look like, what kind of things we'll need in terms of help, uh, and what kind of directions we're going to have for people when they come. But go ahead, put them on your calendars. The final Sunday of the month at 4 o'clock in the afternoon we're going to be gathering in our parking lot for a drive-in uh, service of word and sacrament. As I said, uh, toward the beginning, we're in the middle of the sermon series, and that's not in the Bible. Today, uh, today's expression is, God won't give you more than you can handle. Well, I felt like toward the beginning of this week that that I was given a little more than I could handle. Uh, my wonderful son, Elijah Wolf, he's four years old. Uh, he's been staying at home, obviously, like most kids have been throughout the pandemic. And he, on last Saturday, had a fever, And we thought maybe it would go away, but after four days, he continued to have it. We started to become very, very worried, Uh, so much so that we called the doctor and we were able to get him in. But before we went to the doctor, I tried to practice what I preached last week about knowing when to ask for help and to ask for prayers. So I reached out to a number of people and I asked for prayers, uh, particularly for my family and for Elijah, because I was getting very, very worried and anxious. And I decided to send it out to a number of clergy people, um, United Methodist clergy people in Virginia, and to just say, hey, my son's had a fever for four days. Could you please pray for me, pray for my family, pray for my son? And a lot of people wrote back and wrote these wonderful things, but I received from one person, of course, because it was going to be preached on today, don't worry, Taylor, God won't give you more than you can handle. Except God didn't give my son the fever, and it felt a whole lot more than I could handle. I'm really, really profoundly grateful for all the prayers I did receive. My family did receive. I was able to take my son to the doctor and they gave him a COVID test and he was negative. And the next day his fever completely went away, which is wonderful and miraculous. And I'm so, so grateful for it. Uh, But the the clergy person who wrote me, God won't give you more than you can handle. It was just one, too crazy that it's what I was going to preach on today. And secondly, It took everything in me to not write back, you better watch worship at Cokesbury United Methodist Church on Sunday morning. So in the very, very off chance that another clergy person would ever watch this video, you know who you are, I hope you hear what God says to you today. So with that, let's continue to prepare our hearts and minds for worship, uh, thinking about how God gives us Jesus to help us handle what life gives us. Let's close our eyes for a minute of silent prayer. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful, wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let us pray. Lord, send your spirit on all of us so that we will be taught what it means to really pray. Prayer, after all, is hard. Prayer requires great effort, but when done, feels effortless. We confess, Lord, that oftentimes we don't like to pray. Prayer feels a little too much like begging. So we pray that your generous spirit will teach us how to beg. We beg you to help us, all of us, discover that our lives are constituted by prayer so that we may be in your world one mighty, joyous prayer together. Make us so rested by such prayer, O Lord, so content to be your people that we know who we are and, more importantly, whose we are. Now, O Lord, each of us will lift up to you silently or aloud our own joys or concerns we have today. And all God's people say, Amen. We have a very special guest with us today, someone who is in the sanctuary with me right now, who is going to come help me pray the Lord's Prayer. Who are you?
0: I'm Elijah Wolf.
1: Elijah Wolf, who?
0: Elijah Wolf Martins.
1: And how old are you? I'm four. You're four years old?
0: Yeah, I'm four years old.
1: Yeah. Are you so excited to be at church today?
0: I'm so excited to be at church.
1: <laughs> Should we say the Lord's Prayer together? Yeah. Okay, say, can you say, oh, wait, wait, hold on. You got, you're got. getting too fast. Can you say, everybody, can you say, let us pray?
0: Let us pray, everybody.
1: Our Father.
0: Our Father, hallowed, in heaven, in heaven. hallowed, hallowed be thy name.
1: Thy kingdom come, kingdom come thy will, will be, done, be done, done, on done on earth as it is in heaven. heaven. Give us this day, day our, our daily, daily bread. bread. And forgive us our trespasses. We We forgive those who trespass against against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine thine is the the kingdom kingdom, and the power and the glory glory forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, buddy. Can you say hi to everybody on the internet?
0: Hi, everybody.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Elijah Wolf. I love you. All right, go sit down. I'll be right there. Our scripture lesson today comes from Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Hear now the reading. When he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many gathered around that there was no longer room for them, not even in front of the door. And he was speaking the word to them. Then some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them, And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our hymn today is number 370 in the United Methodist hymnal, Victory in Jesus. Uh, Gloria Baltimore was able to join me a few weeks ago to record hymns for upcoming services. So we're now going to join myself and Gloria over at the drums and the piano, singing hymn number 370, Victory in Jesus. You can find the words for this hymn on the online bulletin. But let us go now, listen to the old, old story about how a Savior came from glory. not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Doom scrolling. Have you heard of it? Doom scrolling it's falling into a deep, morbid rabbit hole filled with negative content, agitating yourself to the point of physical discomfort, erasing any hope of a good night's sleep. Basically, doom scrolling is this thing that's happening these days. Instead of retreating to the binge-worthy content of Netflix and Hulu and HBO Max, instead of going and binging on those things, many of us are actually binge-watching the world flush down the drain. We just can't seem to unplug or disconnect ourselves from the headlines. COVID cases spiking across the country, a horrific blast rocking Beirut, social unrest resulting in broken buildings and broken people. And like slowing down on the interstate past a car wreck, we can't help ourselves from just staring. We, many of us, have become addicted to the world of bad news, so much so that a new word had to be created to explain it, doom scrolling. It's not just what we're doing on social media. We're doing it in our conversations with friends and family and even neighbors. It's all about what's wrong, what's bad, what's broken. And I must confess, dear online worshipers, that even I, even I am not immune to the bizarre charms of doom scrolling. I find myself at times scrolling through the likes of Twitter and Facebook only to discover more and more bad news. Last weekend, the city of Stanton, on the other side of Virginia, experienced uh, horrible heavy rains in a very short period of time that resulted in terrible flooding. Restaurants, businesses, homes were all filled with water, and nearly everything was destroyed. The videos, the pictures, they've been completely devastating. And they felt all the more pressing for me personally because Stanton is where I lived for four years and served a church before I came here to Woodbridge to serve Cokesbury. The restaurants and the businesses that were flooded, they were the restaurants and businesses that I frequented. I still know the owners and the people who work there. And now they're all having to navigate through a completely unknown future. So this week, because I used to live there, I was scrolling through videos and images, reading comments from various community members, offering support. And I noticed that there was one comment that seemed to keep cropping up on all these different posts, no matter how bad or how grim the situation appeared, someone felt the need to write, God won't give you more than you can handle. God won't give you more than you can handle. It is my sincere hope and prayer that in the midst of a moment of pain or fear or anguish or grief that no one has ever dismissively said to you, God won't give you more than you can handle but chances are you have heard that expression. It's near the top of the list of Christian sentences used when we don't know what else to say, and spoiler warning, it's not in the Bible. Of course, there are plenty of verses about God seeing us through to the other side, about how we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, and so on, but the specificity of claiming that God won't give us more than we can handle implies a whole lot about God that it absolutely shouldn't god won't give you that immediately sets up a theological understanding that god you know the author of salvation that god gives every single little thing to us on purpose the good and the bad the joy and the sorrow the love and the pain which means according to the expression that god sows our suffering As has been said from this place on a number of occasions, if God delights in our suffering, if God purposely sends bad things to us in order to punish us or teach us a lesson or make us stronger, then God isn't worthy of our worship. God rejoices with us when we rejoice. God weeps with us when we weep. But that is not the same thing as God authoring or willing every single little thing that happens to us. God is not some sadist who rejoices in our tribulations. God is not an architect of divine destruction. God is not sitting up in heaven plotting away about what difficult things he should send for us to handle. Let me put it this way. Imagine you had horrible rains that just devastated and flooded your house and ruined all of your possessions and all of your furniture only for you to hear a neighbor pithily reply, Oh, it's okay. God won't give you more than you can handle. I mean, maybe you can imagine it. Maybe someone has said something like that to you before. Maybe you've said something like that before. And chances are, dear online worshipers on a Sunday morning, the fact that you're worshiping online on a Sunday morning, it implies that you're probably pretty decent people. And if you've ever said something like that, you were only doing so probably because you wanted to cheer someone up or you wanted them to believe they could make it through or you believe that What doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. And we should. We should try to comfort those in the midst of tragedy and suffering and grief. We should try to help in ways seen and unseen. But the more we say things like, God won't give you more than you can handle, the more we make God into a monster, and the more we place the burdens of the world entirely on one person's shoulders. Jesus has been doing his Jesus thing for a little bit, been baptized by his cousin in the River Jordan, called some of his first disciples, and word has started to spread about the Lord. Did you hear that he healed Peter's mother in law? What kind of kingdom is he talking about all the time? And have you seen his followers? What kind of Messiah enlists fishermen? Jesus moves from town to town, synagogue to synagogue, preaching about a new age, healing the sick, seeking out the last, least lost little. And dead but Jesus needs some rest so he returns to Capernaum for a little bit he's sitting in the house kicking up his feet when the whole town shows up at the door looking for a word hoping to catch a glimpse of something they've longed for yearning for someone to make something of their nothing meanwhile on the other side of town some friends are milling about loitering away their afternoon when word of the Messiah reaches their ears And without taking much time to discuss their plan, they drop everything and they run to their friend's house. They find him like they always do, laying on a mat in the corner of the room, wasting away without the use of his legs. He can't even put up a word of protest before the friends are dragging him out of the house, because surely if anyone can do something about the condition of his condition, Jesus can. They carry him through the streets on a blanket, knocking people from side to side. But as they arrive in front of the house, the crowds are so thick, they realize they can't get any closer. Ah, but these are no ordinary friends. And this is no ordinary day. They take matters into their own hands. They lift up the paralyzed man onto the closest rooftop. They cross from house to house until they reach their destination. They dig a hole straight through the roof, and they lower their friend to the Lord, Jesus now interrupted from his sermon or healing, whatever it is he's doing, he looks up to see this spectacle above his head, and he says, Wow! Good job! I'm, I'm pretty impressed. And then he looks right into the eyes of the paralytic, having witnessed the faith of his friends, and he says, You're forgiven. The strange new world of the Bible is indeed strange. Notice, Jesus doesn't berate the men for destroying property in the midst of reckless hope for healing and transformation. Jesus doesn't wax lyrical about what is and isn't possible in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus doesn't interrogate the paralyzed man about his past and every choice he ever made. Instead, Jesus, he offers him forgiveness. The rest of the story includes a rebuttal from the scribes accusing Jesus of blasphemy, to which he very memorably replies, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or take up your mat and walk. Well, to show you that I really mean business, I'm going to say both. Hey, formerly paralyzed man, get up. Go have some fun with your friends. The Bible is wild stuff. Jesus here delights not only in forgiving the man of his sins, which we haven't even heard about any of his sins, he also restores him to wholeness and he walks again. Now, Why does Jesus do this? Well, frankly, Jesus can do whatever Jesus wants, but Scripture also dangles this little thread for us about the faithfulness of the man's friends. Friends who, in the end, have such a profound hope in what Jesus can do, they carry their friend, literally dig through a roof, just so something remarkable might happen. I don't know about you, but whenever I read the story, I can't help but think about pallbearers, those who carry the dead into and out of the church for a service of death and resurrection, those who lower the dead into the grave. I also can't help myself from considering the many who have carried me during times when I needed it most. Friends, family, even strangers who, when encountering the condition of my condition, basically said, okay, it's our turn to carry you for a little while. Because whether it's a friend in need or a body being put in the ground, when we can't handle what's happening in our lives, when we need others to carry us, we need others to carry us. Those who can carry us and those who can carry us to Jesus. Because life, life tends to come at us pretty fast. These days, all the more, we might have been fed the lie since birth that we're in control of our destinies, but a pandemic and economic instability are quick to remind us of the truth that each and every single one of us will face things that are more than we can handle on our own. So here's a potential corrective to the statement in question today. It's not that God won't give you more than you can handle, but that when life gives you more than you can handle, God will help you handle all you've been given. This acknowledges the tribulations and hardships that occur in our life, But it also helps us to see, know, and believe that when we go through the muck and the mire of this life, that God will be there in it with us. And when those times come, because they will, it is good and right for us to be able to say, you know what, I can't do this by myself. I need help. There are simply times when we will need a doctor or a financial expert or a pastor or a therapist who can help us get to the other side. God does not give us what we can or can't handle, but God gives us Jesus so that we can handle what we're given. There was a a woman back in the 90s who was struggling with just a, a horrible drug addiction. She was trying her best to kick the habit, all the while her newborn baby was sleeping in the room next to her. The new mother was at the rock bottom of her life fearing every single day that she wouldn't be able to, to get the little kick she needed or that her child would be taken away, or perhaps most frighteningly, maybe her child needed to be taken away from her. So one night around 2 o'clock in the morning while her baby is asleep in the next room, she was lying in the fetal position on the floor, desperately trying to will herself into turning her life around. And in her hand, she kept folding and unfolding a piece of paper with the phone number on it. It was the number for a Christian counselor that her mother had sent her in the mail four years ago, back when they were still talking to each other. Because the new mother didn't know what to do, she had made promises to herself again and again that I'm going to kick the habit, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to use anymore. But she just kept doing it. So here she is at two o'clock in the morning. She doesn't know what to do or to whom she should turn, but she knows now that she can't do it on her own. So she grabbed the phone and she dialed the number. And a man answered. And the woman blurts out, I, I got this number from my mom, and um, do, you, do you think maybe you could talk to me? She heard some shuffling on the other end of the line. And the man said, "Um, yeah, uh, tell, me, tell me what's going on. She realized in that moment that she hadn't really told herself or anyone the real truth. She might have known it in her head but she hadn't quite admitted to herself and before thinking too much she said I'm I'm not in a good place I'm scared I'm addicted to drugs I'm afraid for my baby I'm afraid for myself and she kept going on and on about all of her fears and all of her anxieties and the man he just listened he didn't judge he didn't offer advice. He just stayed with her on the phone. The phone call lasted until the sun started to creep through the blinds, and the woman, now noticing how long she'd been on the phone, she said, thank you so much for staying with me all night. I, I really appreciate your listening, but aren't you supposed to tell me some Bible verses I should be reading or something like that? And the man laughed, and he sort of tried to brush her comment aside, but she interrupted and said, no, I need you to know how, how grateful I am how, how long have you been doing this? How long have you been a Christian counselor? And the man said, listen, I've been trying to avoid this all night, but I need you to not hang up right now. You know that number you called, the number you said your mom gave you for a Christian counselor? Well, it was the wrong number. So She didn't hang up, <laughs> now knowing that she had called a stranger in the middle of the night. She thanked him. And they continued to talk until their conversation reached a natural conclusion. In the hours that followed, the woman said she experienced what she calls a peace she didn't know was possible. She said she discovered for the first time that there is love out in the world, some of it being unconditional, and that some of it was meant for her. And after that, everything changed. Not right away. It took a lot of work and a lot of time and a lot of other people, but her life changed and she tells this story a lot and whenever she tells it she always ends up by saying this i now know that in the deepest and darkest moments of despair it only takes a pinhole of light and all of grace can come right in today we live in a world under the shadow of fear between civil unrest an infectious pandemic, economic uncertainty, all of us, we're looking to to put our hope somewhere. The world always puts its hope in human strategies, the belief that we can make things better. But as Christians, we know that human strategies, they rarely, if ever, work. But God is different. God, unlike us, is full of impossible possibility. God can make a way where there is No way. God can make new what no one else can. Because in the end, that's what God's all about. God helps us handle what life gives us through Christ Jesus. Sometimes it's a wrong number in the middle of the night. Sometimes it's through a group of friends who are willing to dig through a roof. God won't abandon us to our own devices. God won't leave us alone. God won't let the life that we have get the better of us. Because when life gives us more than we can handle, God will help us handle all we've been given. I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, you have given us your Son to be an atonement of sin and also an example of godly life. Give us grace this day to receive thankfully the fruits of his redeeming work and to follow daily in the blessed steps of his most holy life. Through Jesus Christ, your son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. God has gathered us together. God has proclaimed God's word. And now we respond to what God has said to us. We respond with the giving of ourselves, the ways that we can make our time and our efforts available to others. But we also respond with the giving of our gifts, those that are financial, our tithes, and our offerings. I encourage you to give with glad and generous hearts. You can give to the ministries of Cooksbury United Methodist Church online. The link for doing so is in the video description. You can give by sending a check through the mail to the church, or you can give if you live locally. Uh, By coming by the church, we have a drop slot by the main office doors. But give, give with glad and generous hearts so that we might be the people for others who help them handle what life has given to them. Another way that we like to respond to what God has said is by affirming our faith using something like the Apostles' Creed. Uh, the words for so, uh, do, for so doing are on the All Nine Bulletin, so please join me in affirming our faith using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now I would like to offer you this... Blessing and benediction. Look at all those people on the internet. Can you say hi?
0: Hi. Can you say bye? Bye.
1: (laughs) So hear now this blessing and benediction. May the God of grace and glory, God of the beginning and the end, the God of life and of death and of resurrection, help you to see that even in the deepest and darkest moments of pain and despair, that God gives us Jesus to help us handle what we've been given. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. We look forward to seeing you next week, same time.
0: Same place.
1: Same place. And we say, ah. Amen. Amen.